My sermon this week is entitled, um, Healing the Sick. And I'd like to begin by reading a scripture passage. If you'd like to follow along, this is in the Red Bibles, in the racks in front of you. It's uh, taken from the Gospel of Matthew, the fourth chapter, beginning with verse 23. And in the Red Bibles, it's on page 1,472. Hear now this, which is the word of the Lord from Matthew 4. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria, and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. May God add his blessing to this reading of his word. According to all the polls and surveys, the United States, the people of the United States, claim that they are a Christian nation. Those of us who have lived in the States know that most people, if you ask them, would say to you probably that they were Christians. But the fact is that most Americans who profess to being Christians don't attend church. Or even if they do attend church, their lives don't reflect the Christian faith. And I say that in all humility for my brothers and sisters in the States who simply do not show the love of Christ in their lives. That's the reason why these people would be considered only nominal Christians. Do you know the word nominal? Nominal means in name only. So a nominal Christian is one who is Christian in name only, but who doesn't really reflect, perhaps doesn't even really understand what it means to be a Christian. Some nominal Christians are referred to on occasion as C and E Christians. Have you heard that expression? It means Christmas and Easter Christians, because they're the only two times that they attend church. And the people who are C and E Christians, or who are only nominal Christians, don't get that being a Christian is about everything. It's about all of us. Rightly understood, our Christian faith covers every part of ourselves and our lives. There is no part of our life that is left out if we really understand what the Christian faith is about. Jesus demonstrates that in the passage I just read, a passage which defines for us what the focus of the earthly ministry of Jesus was all about. I just read to you, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom, and healing every disease and sickness among the people. The three aspects of Jesus' ministry. Teaching. He gave people answers to their questions, satisfying the needs of their minds. Preaching. He touched the deepest parts of people's humanity, satisfying the needs of their hearts. And healing making people who were broken and hurting whole again in their bodies. Minds, hearts, and bodies. Jesus teaches us here that Christianity affects all of us. Our faith in Jesus is all of us. Most people, if they think about it at all, assume that the Christian faith is only about preaching, or, to be more honest, about being preachy. They are sure that Christianity doesn't require you to think, which is one of my big pet peeves. It doesn't provide any real answers, people would say, and it certainly isn't practical to help you with real day-to-day demands of health and well-being. 
Well, people who believe this way, no matter what they call themselves or what they say they believe, are never going to be anything more than nominal Christians. Christians in name only, but not really. Because that is not what Christian faith is about, being preachy and impractical. True Christian faith is to be a follower of Jesus, and in our passage today, Jesus shows us that a true Christian faith addresses all of the aspects that his ministry addresses. Jesus fed people's minds with teaching. He touched their hearts with preaching. He touched their bodies with healing. Nobody really has any problem seeing teaching and preaching as part of Christianity because they usually, after all, don't see any immediate effect of teaching and preaching. But healing, the idea of someone's body being miraculously healed by Jesus or by the followers of Jesus... We're all just a little too scientific and rational to believe the Christian faith can provide real physical healing, aren't we? Well, I'm not. You will notice that here at Lakeside Presbyterian, we pray every week for the needs of our family members, our friends, and the people in our community. The question is, do we simply do this? Do we simply pray because we think we need to go through the motions? That prayer is what the church is supposed to do, so we need to do it every week, whether it really makes any difference or not? Or do we pray because we really believe that asking for God's help and blessing, especially in times of need and healing, can make a difference? I insist, as Scripture, I believe, insists, that prayer, including prayer for healing, does make a difference, that God does hear and that prayer helps. In fact, let's be clear, if prayer doesn't help and or if God can't really heal our bodies, then he is not the God of everything. And if he is not the God of everything, including the healing of our bodies, then he is not God, at least not the God we say we worship. In addition to preaching and teaching, touching people's hearts and minds, Jesus healed people's bodies everywhere he went. So much so that he had a problem. So many people were coming to him for healing that at one point they forced him right up to the edge of the Sea of Galilee and he has to climb into a boat and push it out a few yards in order to be able to deliver the message he knows people need to hear about the kingdom of God. Yes, Jesus physically healed people everywhere he went and people came from all over the region for that healing. Jesus healed the centurion's son. He healed the Gentile woman's daughter. He healed the woman with an issue of blood. He healed lepers. He healed the lame. He healed the deaf. He healed the paralyzed. He drove out evil spirits. He raised the dead. And on and on and on. And why did Jesus heal people? Well, there are two reasons. First, Jesus healed people because he felt compassion for those people in their needs, in their brokenness. Bob Pierce, who was the founder of World Vision, an organization I worked with for a number of years, very famously said, and this was the founding of World Vision, may my heart be broken by the things that break the heart of God. Jesus felt his heart breaking over the suffering that people had. He looked at Jerusalem and wept. Clearly, Jesus showed us that his heart broke with compassion for people he met who were sick and hurt and broken physically and mentally. 
Scripture tells us he felt compassion for those broken people that he met and he healed them. That's the first reason Jesus healed. But there's a second reason. Jesus healed people in order to show the power of God in him. The teaching and preaching of Jesus took on a whole new meaning when people saw that this Jesus who was teaching could prove that he was telling the truth by the power that he showed in healing. One wonderful story that is told in the Gospel of Matthew, the ninth chapter, is about a bunch of men who bring their friend who is paralyzed. They bring him lying on a mat and they dig through, because Jesus is surrounded in this house, they dig through the tiles of the mirador and lower this friend of theirs on his mat down in front of Jesus. And the version in Matthew says this, Some people brought to him a paralytic lying on a mat. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Take heart, son. Your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, This fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your heart? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up and walk. But so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins, he then said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat, and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe, and they praised God who had given such authority to men. Jesus proved that he had the power to forgive sins by demonstrating that he also had the power to physically heal. That was one critical aspect that he used to show people that he was not just another teacher. There were many teachers in those days in Israel. Jesus was more than that. And it was not just Jesus who healed people in the New Testament. The followers of Jesus did so as well. In Mark 10, I'm sorry, in Matthew 10, Mark 6, and Luke 9, Jesus sent out the 12 apostles and told them to preach the good news first and to heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those with leprosy, and to drive out demons. In Luke 10, Jesus then sends out an additional 72 disciples and tells them to preach about the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. In Acts 4 and 5, we have Peter and the other disciples of Jesus healing people as a clear testimony to the truth and power of God in Jesus Christ. And Paul consistently does the same, even raising back to life a young man who fell out of a third-story window because Paul had been preaching so long that he fell asleep. Over and over again, Jesus and his followers pray for people and heal them to demonstrate that there is real power behind their preaching and teaching. Over and over again, the message is that God is the God of all his creation, of all his creatures, that he can heal the body as well as the spirit of those who turn to him in faith. So physical healing in response to prayer is a real and important part of our faith. If we do not believe that prayer can work, that God can heal then, brothers and sisters, we don't believe at all. And we are in danger of condemnation. But let's be clear and honest. Not every prayer gets answered in the way we ask. I have prayed for people today. Some of them will not be healed. Quite obviously, 
there are always people we pray for who are not healed. So if we believe that God can and does heal, why do we not see everyone healed when we pray for them? Well, I believe Scripture gives us several reasons that I want to talk about for a few minutes. First, I think that not everyone that we pray for gets healed is because we often ask with the wrong motives. Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane demonstrated the right motive when when he said to God the Father, If it be your will, let this cup pass from me. Yet not my will, but your will be done. Jesus showed us what the right attitude is. And that was, in effect, he said, Here's what I want, God. But the most important thing is that what you want is what happens. Do we ever pray that way? Really? To say, God, this is what I want. This is what I desire. Healing or freedom from pain or whatever else it is that's important to us. But do we do so in the context of saying, but the most important thing, God, is that you have your will done and that you're glorified. James chapter 4, starting in the second verse, says this, You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You all know that classic old hymn, Lord, won't you buy me a Mercedes Benz? My friends all drive Porsches. I must make amends. That's how most people pray. Lord, won't you give me a night on the town? Lord, won't you give me a color TV? That may be the reason that's funny is because while it's crass, it's pretty close to the truth of how most of us pray. I have known people personally who said, you know, I don't believe in God because the one time that I needed his help, the one time I turned to God and asked for his help because of the illness of a loved one or another reason, he did not give me what I asked for. So I have no interest in God. Really? So you thought God was only there for the one time you needed him. So what was your motive? Is it not sensible to say that if you go to someone who loves you and ask them for something, that you do so in the context of a loving relationship? If you never have thought about God or approached Him or prayed to Him or spent time with Him ever, and then you have a need and you say, God, if you're real, then you'll do what I want here. That doesn't work in human relationships. If I never spoke to Carolyn, then all of a sudden one day I asked her to do something really significant for me, I would not be surprised if she said, excuse me, but who are you? I know we're married, but I haven't heard from you in how long? We ask with wrong motives, without the recognition that it is a relationship with God and that His desires come first. That's one. Secondly, I believe we ask without really knowing or being in relationship with God. This is related to the first one. Every example we have, and I mentioned the 12 who went out and healed and the 72 who went out and preached and healed, every example we have, the people are committed to preaching the Word of God, which means they are close to God. They are in relationship with Jesus. They know Him. In Luke 9, it says, When Jesus had called the 12 together, He gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure diseases. So He sent them out to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So they went from village to village, preaching the gospel and healing people everywhere. My brothers and sisters, I can tell you, if you're actively involved in preaching the gospel, 
If you're actively involved in sharing the kingdom of God with people, then there is a much greater likelihood that you are going to be able to heal people in prayer when the time comes. Mark 6, likewise, says they went out and preached that people should repent, and they drove out demons and anointed many sick people with oil and healed them. They preached first. The focus on the gospel of Christ, their relationship with God that they wanted to share with people, came first. So we ask with wrong motives or we ask without really having a relationship with God. The third reason I believe that our prayers don't get answered is simply that we lack faith. We don't really believe it's going to happen. If you don't really expect to see something, you're probably not going to see it. This is why we don't see nearly the kind of miraculous events in the West that I know Christian brothers and sisters in other parts of the world, the developing world, much more likely that they see miracles because they expect miracles. We lack faith even when we pray. Jesus confronted that in Mark 6, where a lack of faith even made it difficult for Jesus to heal and to do miracles. In Mark 6, Jesus is in his hometown of Nazareth. And we read, Jesus said to them, only in his hometown among his relatives and his own house is a prophet without honor. He could not do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. And he was amazed at their lack of faith. Even Jesus could not do miracles in the face of a complete lack of faith. Who are we, if we lack faith, to expect miraculous things to happen, healing or otherwise? But then there's the opposite story of the woman who had been blighted with an issue of blood for 12 years. In Matthew 9, we read, Just then, a woman who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years, for 12 years she had had a constant menstrual flow, if you can imagine. A woman subject to bleeding for 12 years came up behind him and touched the edge of his cloak. She said to herself, If I can only touch his cloak, I will be healed. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter, he said. Your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. We will not heal or even see healings if we lack faith. But if we truly lack faith, we will be healed. So first, we ask with the wrong motives. Second, we ask without really being in relationship with God as we should be. Third, we lack faith. And the fourth reason, I believe is that we don't realize or acknowledge that God does heal, but he doesn't always heal in the way that we expect or want. I heard a teaching one time using Isaiah 40 that I have never forgotten. It has really helped me over the years. Isaiah 40, verses 30 and 31, you probably have heard it. It says, Even youths grow tired and weary, and young men stumble and fall, but those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Well, the teaching I heard that really changed my understanding is that soaring on wings like eagles, running and not growing weary, and walking and not fainting are the three ways in which God can respond to our prayers. To think of people soaring on wings like eagles is reflected in miraculous healing. When somebody, contrary to all expectations or the doctor's uh, belief, you know, the tumor's gone, we don't know how, we don't know why, God does that. 
these miraculous sudden healings like soaring on wings like eagles. But we forget sometimes that God is also the one that is responsible for providing the wisdom of medical treatment and medicines. I believe God gave wisdom to whoever discovered aspirin in tree bark. That all the work that is done in the medical community and through medicines, that God provides healing in those ways. And I think that's reflected in the expression, they will run and not grow weary. It's not as dramatic as soaring on wings like eagle, but still, you will run and not be weary. God can heal us through the usual medical treatments. And the last one, they will walk and not be faint. God has promised that even if it is not the time for a physical healing, he does not desert us. We often hear we'll pray that the Holy Spirit will provide encouragement and support for those who suffer. There are many people, despite all of their faith, God has in his wisdom chosen not to heal them. I worked for a number of years and consider a good friend, Johnny Erickson Tata, who broke her neck at 16. She's now in her mid-60s. And she's been paralyzed from the neck down her whole life. And yet God has used her powerfully. She will say to you, God caused my neck to be broken. He didn't just allow it. He caused it. Because in that, God has worked in her life in extraordinary ways. So I believe that those who walk and will not faint may be those who are not healed, either miraculously or through medicine, but God is still with them. And they will not faint. He will encourage, he will support, despite the suffering. The fact is that some people are not healed because God in his mercy and in his loving plan knows that all of us must live out our lives to the point where our life on earth ends. And he may have plans for that, that we don't see. We do not see as far, as clearly as he does. For some of us, God's answer to the request for healing is not yet. But the realization is, and Jane Piper taught me this one time, the absolute promise is that if we ask for healing and we are in faith in Christ, you will be healed. It may not be in this life, but you will be healed. There will be a time when we stand before the Lord, according to Revelation 21, and he will wipe every tear from our eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. Healing will come. But God may be saying, not yet, for reasons that he only understands, perhaps. But some will be healed now if we are disciplined to pray for them in faith, seeking God's will with the expectation that God's will, that God will show his mercy through his healing power. So in simple conclusion, Jesus' earthly ministry, which we are called on to continue and which talks about all aspects of our human life, He taught, satisfying the needs of people's minds. He preached, satisfying the needs of people's hearts. And he healed, making people who were broken and hurting whole again in their bodies. The healing that is available to us, it was and is real. If we ask God in faith in the context of our ongoing relationship with him, with the first motive that his will be done, with the willingness to accept however it is that God chooses to heal, we The people of Jesus can pray for healing and be effective in it in this world. Amen.